My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 79 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast. I really do appreciate you being part of the tribe. You can join us on Instagram at Legally Clueless Podcast. And if you want to share about this podcast on Twitter, the hashtag is Legally Clueless. I say that because I genuinely respond to each and everybody who tweets with that hashtag because I'm uber appreciative of you relating with listening to this podcast. Anyway, away from my many thank yous, which I always start each episode with, I'm really excited about this episode because it features a story from a storyteller based all the way in Lagos, Nigeria. Listen to this. I'm the 10th child of my father and I am the last child of my mom. So I happen to be the only one between my parents. I have both stepbrothers from my mom, stepbrothers and sisters from my dad. My both parents had to split apart. There are a lot of legal issues surrounding who am I going to stay with and my dad was like, it's not in support of that and it's not going to pay my school fee. And my mom was like, no problem now. She was the one that paid my school fee, wrote the letter. I went to his house and I gave it to his new wife because he, he remarried after my mom left. I told him that I do not want to be associated with him. The letter was just the fact that I disowned him as my father. He signed it, he stamped it, he, <laughs> he distributed it among the other siblings. That is a story by Toda, who is Nigerian and based in Lagos, Nigeria. And it's coming up a little later in this episode. So I'm not going to give too many details about the story just yet. So again, I do want to know how you are doing. Feel free to drop a comment in the comment section or DM on Instagram. 2020, I was just on a on a WhatsApp call with three of my girlfriends and we just kept saying how, well, let's just go easy on ourselves because 2020 is such a hectic year. We we don't have a manual of how to navigate the ripple effects of the pandemic. I feel like everybody's clueless at the same time. Everybody's stressed at the same time. There are people grieving. The news is a lot. It's heavy to, hey, man, just hope you remember to go easy on yourself. That's really what my girlfriends reminded me on that call. It's just like, go easy on yourself. Don't forget all the things that you've achieved, not only career-wise, but in your personal life. And understand that this is a year like no other. So even if things are going slow, it's not because you're lazy. It's not because you're not achieving. The whole world (laughs) is fighting a fucking pandemic. And so the reason that even on that phone call with my girlfriends, we ended up speaking about this was I shared with them that I am not dealing too well with rejection. And I don't mean it in like, you know, a relationship sense, which is what, or dating sense, which is what a lot of people equate or relate rejection too. I'm talking about in Korea. And even in Korea, I'm not talking about like you apply for a job and you don't get it. It's a whole different ball game when you're self-employed, I think. <laughs> I don't know. So backstory. I have an initiative, which is the Adelo Nyango Initiative. One of the programs that we have is Safe 247. It's a free group therapy program for survivors of sexual violence. Um, I did a fundraiser for it last year. So happy that individuals contributed and we raised about $4,000. I mean, the good news is we've finished building the curriculum for the program. So the curriculum that's going to guide the entire sessions. So the program will essentially start on the 2nd of October. This is great news. However, 
I don't have enough funds to run the program past this first phase. The money raised to the fundraiser is enough for me to take, I think, three to four groups of women through the program. But after that, what next? So for the past month and a bit, my project partner and I have been applying for this particular grant. You know, the project partner is Carolina for Kabira, and they have a lot of experience when it comes to applying for grants. I do not. And so it was a lot of work, like, group calls every week. Their US team was also spearheading this. It it was a lot. And I was just like crossing my fingers, hoping that we get this grant. And then we didn't get shortlisted. <sighs> so I'm like, what the hell? And that time back at home, I'm hearing about various organizations that have been getting millions. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I not doing right? Why can they help us help this women we've built such a great program like we've put our soul and hard work into it what the heck so that's one then the second one is I applied for something that was going to help me in terms of my media business and this podcast and then I also didn't get that grant either again I put my all into that application like researching ironing out all the numbers, just showing how it's going to be impactful. And then I just didn't get it. So I guess what also sucks about both these rejections is that you're not too sure what you did wrong. So you're just kind of guessing like, okay, maybe I was too much of this and they were looking for too much of that. You get what I mean? And I was just like, what the hell? Like genuinely, what the hell? I'm really trying. I took it personally, which was my first mistake. My second mistake was believing that just because I work hard, I'm entitled to get these things. Working hard is great and it's important for you to work hard. In fact, it's a really good strategy because quite a few people do not work hard. You've also got to add like a bit of working smart, but you are not entitled to success or yeses and approvals just because you've worked hard. And that's a very bitter pill for me to swallow. I don't even think I've swallowed that pill. It's stuck somewhere on my throat. Because <laughs> I'm like, but I've worked hard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's something I'm trying to reverse and just tell myself, yeah, you work hard and that's great. Pat on your back. But it doesn't mean you're entitled to a yes for everything that you apply for. Keep working. And then the other thing is a friend of mine reminded me, just stop taking things personally, which is hard because when I create something either under my initiative or even this podcast or whatever it is that I create as a creative, I'm so attached to it that when I apply for something for that thing and it gets rejected, my first thought is I'm not good enough and I need to detach myself from that and not take things very personally because sometimes yes you have a good product yes you have a good concept but it's not the concept that whoever it is or whatever it is you're applying for is looking for i've been reading a couple of articles one of them really stood out for me in how to handle rejection especially as a freelancer it's by somebody called kat bugard and it's called i make my living getting rejected and trust me it never gets easier so i've put a link to that particular article in the description if you're trying to navigate through rejection just read it but something that stood out for me in that article was one there's a quote that says rejection might never get easier but you do get better dealing with it i, I hope that's true for me man 
because I know this is not the last no I'm going to get. So I'd better start getting better at dealing with being rejected. And then the other quote in the article that I was like, whew, this really does speak to me. She says, rejection always stings and you're more than justified in acknowledging that. But it's what you do after that period of feeling discouraged and disheartened that matters. So I like that it was written by somebody who's a freelancer. So that's very similar to the space I'm in. So you can find the link to the article in the description of this episode. I hope it helps you out if you're trying to navigate rejection as well, which is just a shitstorm and a half. Two things that have made me smile this week. One is my niece. Oh my God, you guys, she has grown. Ah, and she's so adorable. And she has perfected her resting bitch face. But she's just started smiling a bit. We were worried like, hey, she's this child. <laughs> <laughs> just smile, Jamini, even if you don't have teeth, just just be happy. So she started smiling and she's, oh, her cheeks are so big. I spent the whole of yesterday with her, actually. I was even meant to call somebody for work and I just put my phone away. When I'm with her, like nothing else matters. I don't think about work. I don't check my email. I don't check my phone. I completely zone out and I just kept holding her and it was, ah, she's amazing. But the second thing that made me smile this week is, oh my God, this song. And it's actually the song of the week in this episode. Mango by Kamau and Adeline. <gasps> so beautiful. It's such a beautiful song. So because it is the song of the week, check it out. I've put a link to the music video in the description. You know why I instantly fell in love with the song? It's because it talks about love in a way that I always talk about love. One of the failures of my relationships when I was in my early 20s to mid 20s is I I think I approached them by trying to own the other person. I don't know if that makes sense. Because looking back, I'm just like, Adele, that was so stupid. Why, why would you even attempt? But I think I approached it in the sense of, I love you. We're in this relationship. You love me. I own you and you own me. When the truth is, you can never own somebody. You just can't. And the beauty of love is that. Stop trying to restrict it and make it fit into a box. I don't know if that makes sense. But in this song, they talk about it. I remember even once telling my husband, and I think I've said this in other episodes, since I love him, it means I want the best for him. I want him to flourish. And if that means him not being with me, I'm going to have to be okay with that because I love him. I don't know if that makes sense because he was just looking at me like, no, what is this woman talking about? <laughs> about? But uh, just listen to the song. It makes... Uh, that's why I love it because I'm like, we approach love in a very toxic way where we're trying to own somebody and you can never own somebody. Love is beautiful and it shouldn't be restrictive, I think. The link to the song is in the description. Uh, I have had it on repeat, on repeat since it came out. All right, I think we should jump into 100 African Stories. Toda is the storyteller in this episode and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. <laughs> He is a podcaster based in Lagos, Nigeria, and his story is about writing a letter to his dad informing his dad that he is formally disowning him. Yeah, and he also talks about studying chemistry and ended up in media. I really hope you enjoyed this story. And I was telling him after we recorded it, how magical it is that I'm in Kenya and I can relate to certain bits of his story. He's in Nigeria. He can relate to certain bits of my story. And I just wish 
as Africans, we could hear more stories of each other, it could really go a long way in uniting us. We'd realize just how very similar our journeys are. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. Um, my name is Toda Mokweni. I am from Nigeria, Lagos, Nigeria. My growing up is from a part of the country. Yeah, one of the local states in the country. I grew up in Ikiti State in Nigeria. Presently, I'm in Lagos due to work and yeah, because of media space, a lot of media jobs happened in in Lagos. Majority of my life has been in Ikiti. Like I'm the tenth child of my father, and I am the last child of my mom. So I happen to be the only one between my parents. I have both step brothers from my mom, step brothers and sisters from my dad. So that's a bit complicated. So when I was going to school, most of my primary school, when people ask me, are you from a polygamous family? I'm like, I don't have an idea of what to say because really it's not a polygamous family. Both parents will stay together for a few years before they had to depart because my mom is a kind of person. She's this feminist kind of woman, even though she doesn't know what feminism means. Yeah, she has those personality. So I I live with, between those words, between knowing where, what exactly my family is. Is it a polygamous family? Is it a monogamous family? I do not have the idea way back then. So and I feel like most of these things are, are stories that are untold especially from yeah from the kind of world i come from my both parents are to split apart there are a lot of legal issues surrounding who am i going to stay with am i going to stay with my mom am i going to stay with my dad so for me i took my dad i wanted to stay with my dad because he kind of like spoils spoils me a lot so but it wasn't a funny experience because i was being maltreated by my stepbrothers and stepsisters i was given an empty flax to school i was not taken care of so my mom had to come and take me to live with her most of my story or my growing up it's, it's just me trying to understand who i am really are who my parents were and all of that so issue because my mom gave, gave that to me in the late 40s and my dad in his late 50s so and then i happened to have siblings that like parents to me my friend's parents happened to be their friends and colleagues at work i was going to particular school right from small and i decided that i was not going to go to that school again i i don't want to go to that school and i told my mom my mom was like no problem and my dad was like no you're not going to boarding school you're not allowed to go to boarding school in my state well it's just like if you want to go to one of the best schools in the state you have to go to the federal school the federal school is like one of the best secondary school around here so you have yeah it's a boarding house you enjoy yourself most most of the students brilliant students that come back on holiday are going to boarding school they're both a school student so i wanted that experience also i wanted to stop having the old experience i have in my present school and then the bully and all of that i just wanted a new a new identity and i just wanted to go to a very good school and my dad was like it's not in support of that and is not going to pay my school fee and my mom was like no problem now she was the one that paid my school fee bought provision and all of that and i that was how i got into boarding school and the whole boarding school experience was very sweet for me it was very fun i enjoyed everything until it began to yeah it began to affect my mental health because my mom she's always traveling to get goods from onisha and uh, that's like the eastern part of the country to get goods and tell she sells baby materials and all of that on visiting days i get no one to come and greet me 
it's so annoying though <laughs> because nobody comes come and greet me in school and then there's a particular woman my mom says she asked her to send me stuff provisions and all of that and the woman would give it to her child which was very frustrating and some of the time when i go back home during short breaks i am always annoyed and at, at the point i just wanted to stop going to boarding school anymore because i just needed the father love the mother love and needed the support more and it was really i didn't get to know that it was really really affecting my education also until i think second term and at the point i just got back from one from one one day my mom went to her work and i was home and i just really wanted to express to my dad about how i feel about everything about him not paying my school fee not coming to come and greet me not saying i not doing anything i just wanted to express it so i wrote him a letter and i described every word that i could use about how i hated everything that is happening and how i do not like him and i do not like his name and all of that I wrote the letter I went to his house and I gave it to his new wife because he, he remarried after my mom left. I told him that he has an ideal name. I do not want to be associated with him. All, all of those stuff. I wrote him a letter and I told him that I disowned it. Like, oh, the letter was just the fact that I disowned him as my father. And that was how I disowned my father. And he was surprised. He went to my mom's shop and told my mom that, are you the one that told or encouraged your son to write me a letter? My mom was like, my mom was not aware about it. And she, my dad couldn't believe that I was the one that wrote the letter. None of my siblings from my dad could believe that I was the one that wrote the letter. And it's so annoying because most people feel uh, children do not uh, allow to have feelings. They're not allowed to have um, their own opinions. They're not allowed to express them because at that point, none of them also believes that I could write those words they could not believe that those kind of vocabulary could exist in my brain and i'm wondering do they think i was that stupid or <laughs> i didn't really meant those words i just wanted to express and how i felt and how i've been feeling and i i felt probably the person that I read the letter to him was the person had to read it that i disowned him but really i didn't write that letter because i wanted to disown him i just wanted to express how i felt how i was feeling he filled the letter he he signed it he stamped it he he distributed it among the other siblings and he actually took it very serious and after some years i after i think the next two years i had to go back and apologize and that was when i got to realize that he took this case very serious he told his lawyer he told everyone i wrote another apology letter and that was how we got reconnected back the experience for me was not really easy because at that point i wanted to be more closer to him but i was about gaining admission also to university so and the agreement was if i enter university i will now start staying with him and i'll be going from his house to the school at that point he wanted me to be studying medicine that was when i lost him i lost him again admission the next day in 2015 and it was funny because my family people did not believe that i gained admission they felt probably because he has died and i just wanted to extort money which was funny because i feel like that experience has, has given them a picture about me and they do not believe or they do not know they cannot determine what i, I can do or what I, I could do next so they had to require had to ask me for some jam admission letter jam is joint admission matriculation board is a matriculation board for tertiary institution in nigeria they have to ask for all the old details and all of that and again admission to study chemistry in uni I, I entered school and i was like yo i'm gonna get that first class i want to have that first class i'll, I'll be the the youngest person to ever graduate from university the youngest person to ever gain admission and all of that so it was just like the old space i was in a competition with people not they do not even know that it, 
<laughs> they do not have an idea if they were in competition with me. They were not in competition with me, but I just I just was I was in competition with them. I was not living my best life on my own terms. I was just trying to prove something that and at the point when I started living for myself, that was the point I started be, I began to feel fulfilled. When I lost my dad, it was it was, it was not a good experience for me because I did not have an idea of who is going to pay my school fee, how am I going to pay, go on with my school fee, how am I going to move on and all of that and it just turned out that everything works out for itself and this um, experience was the fact that i wanted to still know more about him i wanted to still yeah but i didn't even cry during those period that was the funniest thing i felt i was uh when i received the, the news in the um that day it was in the night i received the news it was just surprising i that was the first that was the moment i began to realize that death has meaning before now i see people die and I, I, I always feel like okay obviously they've gone but this was like the first my first experience to really experience what death means to someone so during this period when i lost my dad it was a very difficult moment for me I, I i didn't want to do anything it was very difficult i, I didn't cry during those period i didn't cry and um, most of my family people felt like probably What's wrong with this guy? Why is he sad? This is not sad that he lost his father. And I was just trying to see. Probably he's not dead. Probably he's still going to wake up. And and before then he was sick. I visited him several times in the hospital. So I didn't cry until when I was seeing his casket going down the grave. That was on the burial ground. And I that was when tears came out of me. The only way I was able to express my anger was me actually screaming at someone also. So there was this particular child that was around. And the child was trying to probably look into the into the burial. <laughs> ground and i was like do you want to enter do you want everybody around was like what's wrong it was really very difficult for me within the preparation for the barrier i was also in my first year in school so i was going from my practicals i was going from having lectures to preparing for the barrier actually all of all of those stuff so, so i had to go back to school also and i had to continue and it was that period also my mom also fell sick and it happens that she needed a blood donation i was the only one that had a blood type so she's AAO positive and I'm AAO positive. So the four children she had given birth earlier, all of them are AS. So none of them had a blood uh, group. So we were in a remote part of the state also. So there were no availability of blood in the hospital that we are. So they have to travel down to another part of the state. It was just funny because, and, and I feel like, probably, I don't know, but I'm a Christian and I just feel like probably just, just brought me to the world. Just one way or the other to just come and save her life. I had to donate blood for her. She was the first person I, would, I had ever donated blood for. And so I had to go back to school. I came back from after donating blood. I went for my matric. The next day, I, I was on my way coming back. I had to, I snapped out. I snapped out and I was giving blood, milk and all of that. And at that point, I just told myself that I need to graduate with first class. I always told myself that I need to graduate with first class. But I did eventually make first class out of uni. I knew that I'm in a point that where I need that I'm living according to my tent, not because of someone else's tent or I'm trying to compete with someone or I'm trying to impress someone. Or I'm trying to be someone or just make someone happy, but I I am on my own terms, living on my own terms, enjoying what I'm doing. But my father is one person that will see me now and I'm very sure he will be proud of me. But one thing that actually tormented me with the experience was the fact that I do not like remembering his name. So I that was part of the reason why I changed my name. So my my father's name is Olukushe, Oladili George. So Olokushe means in Yoruba, it's a Yoruba language, it means dove. 
it's a very special kind of name but right now i had to change it like four years ago is it four years ago yeah four years ago so i had to change it because i i did not like because when people call me that name i remember most of my experiences in primary school most of my experiences in secondary school um being bullied how people abused my name why change it also the fact that when people call me that name Mulukoshe, i remember him not me I do not see myself in that name. I remember him. And it happens that most of the other family people too still live under the glory of that name. Because he made yeah, he made the name famous and yeah, in, in its own terms. And so I wanted to build my own empire. I wanted to build my own generation. I just wanted to build my own presence and make people know that yeah, this is me, this is to that this is another generation or whatever. And I do not want so when people call me that name, I always remember him as the owner of that name, as the carrier of that name. So I, I had to change my name and Toda means Okbayemi. It's an Hebrew word and the translation means Okbayemi, which means Thanksgiving. So, and I, I, I really be enjoying my own name and I've loved that I'm intentional about building my own brand and my own name and I'm pushing it more globally than where it, it, where it has been. My dad tried for his own generation to be able to push himself to where he, he, has, he, he was. Also now me, this is another space, another generation for me. So I was in 300 level when my media journey started. So I was in that point that I, I needed something more. I didn't know that I needed something more because I wanted, I was reading at that point. I just wanted to have first class. I was competing. I was really reading in school. But I felt the whole universe was talking to me. The whole universe was telling me, calm down. This is what I want you to do. This I was feeling it. So at that point, everybody around me was began to tell me that, "Guy, you're good. Go to radio. Do stuff. Do on TV. Go." I was all of those comments were coming at me in different ways. So I had a dream. I was I was in a blue suit. I came out with on the stage full of lightning. I was seeing myself presenting and all of that. I was having the this old poise and all this presenter whatever skill. Before that, I was not this kind of free person. I could not express my I I I can express myself, but not in that aspect. I didn't I didn't see myself before then doing all of that. So I was surprising myself on stage full of lightning. A lot of people in my front. I could see everyone clapping. I was seeing the old light, the old ambience, and all of that. So I got to the church. I told one of my friends, "This is what I this." Is dream i had but i am not good i my i don't even sound well i'm not i'm not an english student i'm not a mass communication student why am i feeling like this why is all this pressure so and then we entered into the service and we, the pastor was preaching and then the pastor went someone is here god has been putting into your heart to be a media person to be a radio personality and all you kept complaining about is that you're not good enough your vocabulary is not good and all of that my friend just looks like just bent over the few people sitting between us i was like you see so that was like a real catch for me so i went to my pastor the next day to tell him about what he had and i was expecting him to tell me who oh, you yeah that's a very good dream yeah go to radio go on tv go i was expecting a direct answer that you just go and this this stuff go and do this stuff go and do that stuff but he didn't tell me he just told me that god will open my eyes more he will lead me i was i was annoyed because i was like what's not the essence of me going to go and meet him and tell him that kind of story it was really annoying so he didn't tell me anything he just prayed for me and that was how I, I, I was not more intentional so i began writing i began to write a lot of stuff and my writing began to develop i host few concerts and we did those period also so there was a particular show i used to listen to on radio in Ikiti. i had to reach out to the person on facebook i think 2017 they respond to my message i think 2018 again i just had to 
messaging me again i was annoyed i have been messaging you for a period now and you, you didn't respond to me what's happening and this is what i've been feeling i've been i just needed mentorship i just needed him to put me through and then he responded so i felt back then i was serious i was saying i i i i what this period i said i and i i just put up my mind i told him what i wanted so he was able to know what i want and he actually reached out to me so he works with radio nigeria radio nigeria is uh, the federal broadcasting station in in nigeria yeah so that was how i went to him and he actually hosts on other private radio station in in the country and that was how i, I began to follow him on radio and i began to co-host with him on the gospel show and after then so i went on my high tea i, I did my it in chi limited chivita where they do online tell you got and all of that in nigeria yeah so i did my it there so that it was that point my it i knew that this is not what i wanted to do i did not want this anymore because uh, the lab coat i'm wearing the white whatever i did not like it at that point it was annoying to me also getting to know that people graduated first class to work with this company and they're not getting paid the way they should be getting paid whereas most of my friends that because at that point i was getting close to the entertainment here in nigeria so all of these maraji all those content creators that i knew charged like 500k for content creation at least which is like almost the whole year salary of some of these quality control officers in, in these industries and it was annoying to see that i knew these people i know these people are making money in the creative space and also knowing people of my own career so at that point i told myself that mm, i don't think i'll be doing this and i had to i that was, it was doing that it period i had to travel to abuja to to work on a production set also so i was a, prod, a, prod, a production assistant and it was fun experience for me we didn't sleep you know it was production so we we're having different episode and it was fun for me i didn't feel stressed i felt um, i felt among i felt fulfilled and i felt fun so it was that point i also read book about purpose and i just think that this is not what i wanted i wanted more i wanted good thing i i wanted more that's how my i just told myself i am going to the media space and that's how my media journey started so going back to school i, I began to intend with a radio station and that's how I began to host shows, most of the afternoon shows, and we launched our shows. And that was how my hosting on radio started. And that's how my transitioning from media has evolved from chemistry, the old me reading, pharmaceutical stuff, environmental, and food. But I feel most of those things actually are helping me now because as the media person, you have to have a general knowledge of everything that is happening around you. And I feel like I have such skills. So my knowledge from science, but my growth in media has been a a very intentional store because i most of what i've learned are self learning so i google stuff i i google stuff a lot and there was a particular period i participated in abocast so abocast is one of the top hosts in nigeria yeah so and i participated in this challenge and i was part of the top three guys that experience for me learning how to present how to host events and all of that so most of my experience has been with me playing with google watching youtube videos learning resources online online courses about transmedia storytelling about journalism investigative journalism and all of those stuff have actually helped me a lot so i didn't get to probably spend five years studying media but i've been very intentional about my growth learning i'm actually having work experience which is very essential and just having fun with what i do i have fears i do have a lot of fears but i feel like the fear of failing is one thing that i do not want to experience again but i love that i have failed in the past i failed when i was in boarding school because of that experience in that experience that failure has helped me a lot because it has encouraged me to embrace my failures and actually moving on and learning more so failure is part of this journey i've experienced failures in different ways but 
I love that I I, I learned from my failures and I, I get scared that I might actually still fail, but I know that if I fail, I'm actually still going to come out of it and still going to learn. My fears in my, in my career is the fact that it's also getting to be more involved. When I mean more, in, more involved in the media space in Nigeria, yeah, it's just the fact that you, there's a lot of competition and just need to, to be on people's faces and just keep doing it. So my, I feel like my fear is just the fact that I won't say the lack of platform. You get what you definitely need to create one for yourself if you don't get it. But it's just the fact that I need to, the pressure of doing people's expectation of you. So recently, I was in a production set with one of Nigeria's, uh, I'll call him Africa's uh, star boy, Joe Boy. I took a few pictures with him and I uploaded it on my, on my social media, on my Facebook, on WhatsApp. And suddenly people, people feel uh, I have arrived, like I have the money. And it was annoying, like, it was annoying to me. People feel like I have the money. So a lot of people were reaching out to me. Please give us this connect. We link us up with Fireboy. They, oh my God, did you just take a picture with Fireboy? It was just the fact that when they begin to see you taking pictures with most of these celebrities, they I, I automatically feel that it translates to money in your bank account. It, it doesn't happen that way. It, I don't feel it happens that way. And it doesn't happen that way. So most of the expectation is just the fact that people have a lot of expectations about you, especially about me being in the media space. And I'm just trying trying to build more influence and the expectation sometimes is actually very painful because when when people that are supposed to actually still be giving you money feel like you've arrived so most of my family people since when i've been in uni none of them have really been actively financing me like that but naturally now they feel i have arrived i have blown and i i do not need them because i am probably running with celebrities and <laughs> And uh, they just feel like, since you're really with celebrities, automatically there's money for you. So I'm at that point that I'm learning and I'm I'm trying to establish myself, yes, as a business, yeah, and be able to monetize a few things I could probably monetize and be able to build more influence. And yeah, I don't have any regret writing the letter to my father because I feel that was the only period I was being sincere about how I felt. That was the only period I was able to let him know that, yeah, this is how I felt. And I just needed him to make a change, but he didn't decide to make a change. That was just me letting my feelings out. And I didn't regret that. It was one of the most sincere parts of my life with him. And one of the most sincere parts of my life with him. One of the things I'm very proud of is the fact that I've learned to know that I need, what I just basically need to do is to keep doing, is to push myself out there and being in the media space also, I'm very honored when most of the stories that I've been doing also, most people reach out to me and be like, thank you for telling this story. Thank you for sharing this. It really encourages me. And the fact that I, people I look up to just reach out to me randomly in a DM and be like, hey, mister, well done with whatever you're doing. Like that always sits me on my foot. Like recently, one of the people, one of the media firm here in Nigeria one of the top media firm, the co-founder reached out to me on Instagram and was like, hey, hey mister, how are you doing? I'm like, just commenting me about the work I'm doing. On. That was like, so people are watching you. People, like, they are not just following you, but most randomly, they get to see what you do and I get encouraged with just little things. It might not really mean a lot to them, but it really means a lot to me that I get those comments, well done with 
what you do i just keep doing and i keep moving i do not settle for the less i just want more so if i if i get this i just want what's the next thing and sometimes it's a pressure though because we should always look back in some of the things we've done live in the moment and enjoy that yeah thank you jesus thank you lord that i've done this i've achieved this then what next but then most of the time we get we get filled up or we get filled up or worried about things we do not have platforms we do not get than what we've had and i just feel like that i'm trying to find balance also my podcast is talk with toda talk with toda that's t-o-d-a so on there i on the podcast i share untold stories and most of the stories are just to break bad cultures that are in the society and i cover story and engage people in conversations from humanity faith sexuality and all around mindfulness so and most of my audience have to be open-minded about most of the conversation and just making people to break free from the stifling insularity of their existence and just knowing more and learning more about their environment just untold stories because i feel like most of people's stories are untold and we just need more platforms where people can share their opinions their stories their experience their battles their wins their loss we don't know the bad might inspire someone the good might inspire someone we just need to be more vulnerable one of my last stories a rape a rape experience from uh, a girl in south africa she lives in cape town south africa she was raped at 11 she was drugged with cocaine and she's currently 16 and when she reached out to me i was touched with her story I, uh, it was a very emotional episode for me. I that was just it, and I just like it. And the lady that shared her story, she was, she felt relieved. She reached out to me. I was like, thank you so much for allowing me to share your story on your podcast. I feel more relieved now, and just sharing my story with people. Just let us be more human together. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Oh man, I really loved that story. So first, I've put a link to Toda's podcast in the description. Make sure you check it out. He is such a fantastic young man. Quite a few things stood out for me in his story. Quite a few things were relatable. But what I'm really going to take with me, because I need it right now, is when he talks about looking back and appreciating how far you've come. Because, you know, when he was talking about... And I remember thinking this as we were recording it, when you're talking about how some people, you find yourself only looking forward or looking at what you don't have, what you haven't achieved. I imagine I'm those people. <laughs> I never stop to be like, okay, let's just celebrate. Look, look, you've achieved this. Look, this worked. You know what I mean? I never stop to do that. I think it's important in life to be very present and to enjoy the moments and not constantly be focused on either what you don't have or only where you're going. Even where you are is very important. So remember, you too can share your story on this podcast. All you have to do is send me a one minute story demo. Just record it on WhatsApp Audio Note and just tell me a bit about the story that you want to share. So the Legally Clueless hotline number that you're going to send that to is plus 254-768-628-790. I want to send a huge shout out. I have been getting storytellers from Rwanda and Tanzania especially. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And I also appreciate your audio notes, which by the way, you can send not only story demos, but if you listen to an episode in this podcast that you relate with and you want to share that with me via audio note you can do that 
Yes, Adele Onyango. Uh, let me first say, you make me reminisce on those moments that you used to host uh, the morning breakfast show with Shafiwero. I think my best part of the show was the random wake-up call. Let me say, first and foremost, um, well, good work, good work. I think I found the link on uh, your Twitter handle. Let me say, it's been fantastic. Uh, it's my first episode, episode 73, and wow, wow, good work. It's fantastic. Very good work, by the way. And I think I want to wish you all the best as you steer this ship forward. I believe then the future looks brighter for you. Keep up with it. For the first time, I will be listening to podcasts. This is my first podcast, by the way. Never listened to it before. But Leo Lazima Nilale na Google Podcast. Because you've made me, you know, love podcasts. I never, I never thought I would have this kind of relationship. But wow. This is incredible. Good work. God bless and all the best as you move to higher tides. You know, sometimes I forget that I was on traditional radio. <laughs> like those days are so far behind me and they're really not. Like I just left, I think my last show was first week of June last year. So it's really not been that long, but it's like I've forgotten that entire life. And so it's so refreshing when one, listeners who would constantly tweet me during my radio show start tweeting me about this podcast and then getting audio notes like those it's really heartwarming and i do appreciate all the positive vibes positive messages and i appreciate those people who listen to me on my radio shows and are also here that's so sweet man like (laughs) it really is and speaking about radio this podcast is on Trace Radio. So if you log on to traceradio.co.ke, you can stream the podcast there every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m. and at 8 p.m. And on that website as well, there's an entire list of the frequencies of Trace Radio in Kenya. In case you want to tune in the old school way, you can do that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 a.m. and 8 p.m. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.